One of the most important tales in Sumeria, and I think it's a rapport for this, is what's called the descent of Ishtar or Adnana into the underworld. The Akkadian story is first attested in the late Bronze Age texts, and it appears both in Babylonia and Assyria. And it appears actually to be written on tablets that were placed in the palace library in Nineveh, which is northern Iraq. In a short composition, it's 140 lines and seems to end with some form of ritual instructions that they would call the Taklebatu, which is actually, <clears throat> if we break it down, is a ritual that was performed in Assyrian era, in the Assyrian era, and it took place in the month of Demuzi Tammuz, June slash July. It featured the bathing, anointing, and lying in state of Nineveh and the statue of Demuzi. The Sumerian version, the descent of Inanna, is attested earlier and is much longer. It consists of 410 lines and it gives a more fuller, detailed account. It actually shows different ways and different things in the storytelling of it, and it's believed to be over 5,000 years old. The Sumerian version does not contain a ritual or incantation. However, like the Akkadian story, it seems to represent the goddess as a cult statue, and it's been in, it's basically been suggested that the goddess's statue makes a ritual journey from Uruk, her hometown, to Kutha in the seat of what's known as the underworld deities. So similar themes have been found in the Greek tale of Persephone, and who was abducted by Hades, and we also see Demeter in this story as well. Certain lines of text in the descent of Inanna or Ishtar are also found in stories of Nergal, Ereshkigal, and Gilgamesh. So, to Kanurgi, the land of no return, Ishtar, now keep in mind, this is the Babylonian version, daughter of Sin, who was determined to go. The daughter of Sin was determined to go to the dark house dwelling of Urkata's god, Urkala's god, to the house which those who enter cannot leave. On the road we're traveling as one way only, to the house where those who enter are deprived of the light, where the dust is their food, the clay is their bread. They're speaking of the Kur in this regard. They see no light, they dwell in darkness. They are clothed like birds with feathers. Over the door and bolt the dust will settle. Ishtar, when she arrives, or Anana, whichever you prefer, at the gate of Kernugi, she addresses her words to the keeper of the gate. Here, gatekeeper, open the gate for me. Open the gate for me to come in. If you do not open the gate for me to come in, I shall smash the door and shatter the bolt. I shall smash the doorpost and overturn the doors. I shall raise up the dead, and they shall eat the living. The dead shall outnumber the living. Kind of talks about almost like a Romero movie. The dead shall outnumber the living. The gatekeeper made his voice heard and spoke, he said to the great Lady Ishtar. Stop, lady. Do not break it down. 
Let me go and repeat your words to the great queen Ereshkigal. The gatekeeper went in and spoke to Ereshkigal. Here she is. It is your sister Ishtar who holds the great Kepu toy. She stirs up the Apsu in the EA's presence. So, again, we're talking about EA, so we're, we're looking at the Babylonian version. So, when Ereshkigal Ereshkigal hears this, she gets really angry. She gets really, really angry. And it's said that her face grew livid as cut tamarisk. Now, it's kind of funny, funny thing because we see the rage. Her lips grew dark, the rim of the Kuna vessel. What brings her to me? What has excited her against me? Surely not because I drink with the Anunnaki. And a lot of people are confused about the Anunnaki, but the Anunnaki refers to a council of gods. I have to weep for the young men forced to abandon the sweethearts. I have to weep for the girls wretched from their lovers' laps. For the infant child I have wept, expelled much before its time. Go, Kate, go, Kate, keeper. Open the gate to Anana or Ishtar. Treat her according to the ancient rites. So the gatekeeper goes. He opens the gate. Enter, my lady. May Kutha give you joy. May the palace of Kurnugi be glad upon you. He led her through the first door, but stripped off and took away. Which I don't really get, but he stripped off and took away the great crown on her head. Gatekeeper, why have you taken away the great crown on my head? Go in, lady. Such are the rights of the mistress of earth. So he lets her into the second door, but he then takes the rings out of her ears. Gatekeeper, why have you taken the rings in my ears? Go in, my lady. Such are the rights of the mistress of earth. He led her to the third door. He strips off and takes away the beads around her neck. Gatekeeper, why have you taken away the beads? Go in, lady. Such are the rights of the mistress of earth. He led her through the fourth door and he stripped and took off her toggle pins at her breast line. Gatekeeper, why have you taken my toggle pins? Go in, lady. Such are the rights of the mistress of earth. So he lets her through the fifth door and he finally takes off her girdle, which is covered in lapis and carnelian. Gatekeeper, why have you taken away the girdle? A birthstone's around my waist. Go in, my lady. Such are the rights of the mistress of earth. And he, she kind of looks at him wondering why he keeps repeating the same thing and he's just kind of fixated. So he lets her through the sixth door and strips away the bangles around her wrist and her angles, ankles. Why have you taken away the bangles? Go in, my lady. I keep saying these, such as the rights of the mistress of earth. Finally, he lets her through the seventh door and he takes away the entire garment off her body. Why have you taken the garment and now I am nude? Such is the risk, rights of the mistress of earth. As soon as Ishtar goes down to Kurnugi, Ereshkigal looks at her and begins to tremble. Ishtar did not deliberate, but lean over to her. Ereshkigal made her voice heard and spoke. Go, Namtar, of my... And the journal is blank, but send out against her sixty diseases. Ishtar, disease to 
of her disease of eyes to her eyes disease of arms to her arms disease of feet to her feet disease of heart to her heart disease to the head of her head every part of her and onward swear that she has paid you the ransom give back that ransom for Demuzi, the lover of her youth wash him with pure water anoint him with the sweet oils clothe him in the red robes and let the lapis lazuli pipes play let party girls raise in loud lament then Bellini tore off her jewelry. Her lap was filled with eye stones. Bellini heard to lament to her brother. She struck the jewelry from her body. The eye stones which were front now became front with the wild cow. You shall not rob me of my brother. On the day when Demuzi comes back and the lapis lazuli pipe and the carnelian ring come up with him. And all of a sudden... Death shall come and smell the smoke of the offering. Now, we see this almost as a representation that Ereshkigal dislikes her sister, almost wants to destroy her sister. And we have two very versions, you know, two very different, different versions of this. It's assumed that Ereshkigal or Ereshkigal kills her sister. And she's brought back by E.A., which we know is Enki. So Enki actually resurrects her. And Ereshkigal is kind of disturbed by this. But we see later in this following stories coming up about Nergal and how Nergal reacts to the situation. Now, there's pieces and parts that are missing from this tale. And even pieces and parts throughout all of the historical representations. Because they so respected the gods and goddesses in Samaria that they refused to rewrite things for their own liking. And, and I even apologize if I made some kind of error in my, in my readings from these tablets because they're very hard. It's almost like you read these tablets and it's like, it's almost like the god will, almost like a, the feeling rushes through you and you feel like, you're standing there on the day, and people can say I'm nuts, I don't give a flying fuck, but when you're connected to deities, it seems very, the experience of it all seems very different. And when we see this tale, it, it's almost like we see it in a descent, we see it in a ascent, we see, you know, Ishtar or Inanna, kind of going down to visit her sister, almost like to bring her birthday gift, and she gets killed in the process. And in another story, she doesn't get killed, it just trails off. And But realize this, Anana's descending into a underworld, almost uh, almost like, you know, the Hades story, um, which I believe that the derivatives of such came from this story. It's just, we don't have the complete story, mainly because of the, the tablets being very, very, um, I guess, I can't say destroyed or or a lot of the words are unreadable. And realize this, that the struggle to understand the Sumerian tongue is still there. There's fewer than maybe 100 people in the whole world that can grasp this concept and, and carry the words forward. 
yet there are literally thousands of students, including myself, who know how to decipher Babylonian text. And you got to remember, for years, both the Babylonian text and the Akkadian text were used to decipher the Sumerian text until recently when the Codex came about, where a lot of the Sumerian writings could be deciphered. So when you're reading this, you need to understand that it's very, very important, especially when you're trying to discover these stories. And why are these, I get this asked all this all the time. People are like, <clears throat> why are these stories, excuse me, why are these stories important? <clears throat> excuse me, damn, I don't have COVID. Uh, these stories are really important because they help you put together the entire puzzle. And as you put these puzzle pieces together, as you research about Sumeria, you find that these characters are, are going together and they're touching one another's lives. They're interacting. The gods are almost interacting. And we're laying out now an entire epic tale that goes much deeper down the rabbit hole than the Epic of Gilgamesh, and, and the four winds, I mean, all these different sagas. But you'll see as I slowly begin to put this together over the next year, yeah, a year, um, you as the listeners will find these stories that you can go and find and you can do your own research. So I always tell people, read it and, and just sit back and use the philosophy approach where philosophical approach i'm sorry duh it's not like i don't know what i'm talking about from there but anyway use that approach and just sit back and kind of figure out these words and if you really want to venture down the path of arsorism it's important that you read these things and you begin to understand them and once you understand the tales then you can relate the tales to other people and you can help them along the path Thank you again for listening, and much more to come. Thank you.